Welcome, friends, to the Agora Network Ministries program, Hope for the Agora, a conversation about mental health and the church. Listen in as our hosts, the founders and directors of Agora Network Ministries, Alan and Bonnie Gallant, share practical, educational, and insightful information about the mental health conversation and stigma inside the walls of the church. Through interviews, stories, and Christ-centered devotionals, along with dialogues with leading Christian mental health professionals and network ministries, our hope is that you, the listener, will learn and experience that hope and healing can be found in a holistic approach for body, soul, and spirit. Our prayer is that you become more aware about the importance of your mental health and be willing to make the changes you need to become a healthier you, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Again, welcome to this program. Now, the founders and directors of Agora Network Ministries, Alan and Bonnie. Well, welcome to our program called Hope for the Agora, a conversation about mental health and the church. Uh, today, we have a special guest with us, Laura Bruno, and she's going to share a little bit a little bit about herself in a few minutes, but uh, my name is Alan, and my wife is here with us today. Say hello, Bonnie. Hello, Bonnie. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be back. I know I haven't been on for a bit, but it's nice to be back. Yeah, it's good to have my sidekick with me because I was getting lonely. Uh, but anyway, we're so glad that you'd join us today, and uh, so we want to focus our attention uh, on suicide, but I know this month we're talking about fear, um, but I think we can correlate fear and suicide, and Laura is going to unpack that for us in a minute. But uh, Laura, it's so good to have you back. We tried to do this uh, maybe a few weeks ago, and for some reason, this that interview got lost in cyberspace. So good to have you. Uh, why don't you just share a little bit about yourself personally and professionally? Sure. Thank you for having me back. It's so good to good be back. Good to have you back. <laughs> Personally, you know, first and foremost, I'm a child of God. Mm. Um, so my faith journey has been unique. Um, I was born and kind of raised in the Catholic Church, and then my family shifted. We found ourselves at Grace Gospel in Niagara Falls. There's a great church, by the way. Amazing church. Uh, your yes. pastor is a great guy. He is the best. We yeah. love Pastor Martin. My yeah. four-year-old loves Pastor Martin. Oh. She wants to FaceTime him every day. <laughs> <laughs> when we watch church virtually, she yeah. gets so excited. She doesn't want any of the music. She just, fast forward to Pastor Martin. Wow. <laughs> yes, she loves him. Um, so really, once I made that shift, my relationship with Jesus really started to develop and evolve, mm. and I was really more grounded in my right. faith, and was actually baptized last year, nice. which was amazing. Mm. And um, apart from that, which is the most important right. and the foundation, yeah. is I'm a wife and a mom to two sweet little girls. They are sweet. I have seen them on Zoom. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to jump in Yeah. Now. <laughs> And they're Italian, yes. so they are gorgeous Thank girls. You. Yeah. Thank you. Aww. They sneak their way into some of my work calls, but uh, we make that's it work. What, that's what kids do. <laughs> yes. So, yes, little four-year-old, little one-year-old, mm. um, which are, they're just such blessings. Mm. So, um, apart from that, kind of the other side, the professional side, 
I'm a registered psychotherapist. I also teach at Niagara College, so yeah. I teach a bunch of psychology courses right. there. And then I also work for COAST, which is the Crisis Outreach and Support Team. Right. And that's here in Niagara, so it right. serves the entire Niagara region. Two main functions of COAST, there's the crisis line, the 24-hour crisis line. And then the other side of that is the outreach side, which is what I did. I would go out in the community, right. see individuals mm. who are in a mental health crisis, right. get them connected to services, you know, provide supports, mm. et cetera. There's, we can probably talk a little bit more about that later if we sure. need to. Yeah. But um, I do want to just make sure that everyone has the COAST number. Right. Yeah, can you share that? Yeah, so it's one eight six six five five zero five two zero five. And again, if people need to call that number, it's because of why. So if they're in a crisis, if they're in crisis, right? And you know, we define crisis many different ways. But if you're struggling and you don't know what the next step is, call that number. Okay. And they will you know, point you in the right direction. If they're not the ones to provide the support, they're going to get you connected to who can. Awesome. Right. And so I know it's a lengthy number, so I always encourage people, just program it in your cell phone because you right. never know when you or someone else that you care about mm-hmm. may need it. Or you can always just call 211, and 211 will just direct you to Coast, and they'll connect you. That's great. So. Thank you. I had no idea about 211, so that's awesome. Yes. Yeah. No, 211 is across Canada? Just in Niagara. Niagara. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I know there's numbers for Canada as well. Yes. And maybe we can share that a little later on sure. in the program. But uh, a lot of our listeners are from the Maritimes. Mm-hmm. And so we'll give you some uh, Canadian uh, numbers and ways to reach out in a few minutes as well. So, Laura, it's good to hear so many good things about yourself. Uh, Bonnie and I are just over the moon with the fact that you are a part of Agora Network Ministries. Uh, you are ready to do seminars for us and to teach and train, and yeah. that's great. And mm-hmm. we're working on ways to do that virtually uh, but also you're a board member with agora yes. and that's a new role for you mm-hmm. and so we're so glad that you are part of our board member um, but my question to you today is uh, to get a get us going a little more is uh, why did you go into this profession is there a reason why uh, was it personal was it because you saw the need what was it yeah no thank you for asking um definitely it was personal i uh, my mom struggled with depression Mm -hmm. for a while Mm -hmm. and you know growing up and seeing that struggle and also the other side seeing the strength right um she's just an amazing woman and has amazing faith and um yeah seeing her journey and her put in all the work that Mm -hmm. she had done really was inspiring and so you know I said I want to be that person that Mm -hmm. to help my mom right Right, to I want to help someone the way that person helped my mom right and so it was you know her therapist that really took her through this journey and she had multiple throughout you know Mm -hmm. her time sure um but just seeing the work that she did and how that 
shifted everything for her. Right. And I just said, I want to be able to do that for someone else. Yeah. So, so when did this start for you? What year? How old, maybe? When did what start? Like, getting yeah. my... Your journey to come become a, a, a psychotherapist. Well, I, I did my BA in psych. Mm -hmm. So actually, I went to university um, with as a biochem major. Oh. So I was going to be a high school science wow. teacher. Wow. What a shift. Right. Yeah. And By the way, I hate chemistry. <laughs> no for reflection on you, but I didn't do well in chemistry, physics, uh, biology. Yeah. I hated it, but I'm glad there's some people that love it. I loved it. Um, so I went into university with that, and then I took an intro to psych my first year, and was like, oh, I really like this. Mm. And my second year, I took abnormal psych, and I was hooked. Yeah. And then I shift, I changed my major, and then I got my master's after that, and really, I just, I love it. I'm so mm. passionate about it. Um, I love being able to, you know, do this work. Right, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. So let's uh, move into another area here. We're talking about suicide prevention. Yes. yes. And uh, we know that in Canada, approximately 4,000 Canadians die by suicide every year. Mm -hmm. And I think they say that uh, it's the ninth leading cause of death. Yes. But also, nine out of ten people that die by suicide in Canada have some type of mental health disorder. Yes. Now, that's what I read. Mm -hmm. So, that being said, um, suicide is not a topic that we like to talk about. Many people hide from that topic, but this is important because I think in our age right now, we're going to see, because of the pandemic, mm -hmm. we're going to see maybe an increase. That's what's coming out in the stuff that I'm reading. But suicide prevention is kind of your passion. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and so can you uh, just unpack that and why is it your passion to help people with thoughts of suicide? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's such an honor to be able to be with someone in their darkest moment. And, you know, I always feel privileged when people open themselves up to me in that, again, that darkest time. Right. Right? To sit there with them, to hold space for them, to be there with them in that pain, it's, again, it's, it's an honor. So, mm. um, you know, I, I don't take that for granted. Right, right. Um, or lightly. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> you know, we very much, especially getting into, you know, this field, you want to fix, you want to help. Mm. And oftentimes in crisis and suicide, a lot about it is just slowing it down right? Oh. And just sitting with them in that pain right? and not trying to fix and not trying to shift anything for them and just validate that what they're going through is, you know, normal, yeah. right? Because at the end of the day, suicide is a normal response to intense emotional unbearable pain, right? Wow. right? Mm -hmm. And so when we are in that state of this overwhelming pain to have a thought of suicide pop into your mind is so normal yeah and people don't want to admit that or talk about that because mm -hmm. there's so much stigma mm -hmm. so then they're now shamed right because they're thinking okay I have all this pain 
oh my gosh, where did this thought pop into my head? Something's wrong with me. And it just snowballs from there. I'm just going to say it's almost like that virtual cycle. Like it just constant would be back and forth, I'm sure. Yes, for around sure. And around. You mean the thought process? The thought process. Right. Like, you know. You can get like stuck, stuck in that cycle. Yeah. And it quickly snowballs. Right. Yeah. So, um, again, um, being a psychotherapist, mm -hmm. you see a lot of people. Yes. Uh, you talk to a lot of people. And right now, uh, because of COVID, you're doing a lot of virtual. I am. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you're talking to people uh, about their uh, mental health uh, situation, does the topic of suicide come up often? Yes. I, as a mental health professional, I always have to assess mm. for suicide for every single individual that, you know, I see. Um, sometimes it's very obvious because there's very obvious red flags that right. the individual will um, show and sometimes it's not so obvious but we always have to assess right so it's always asked you know what we learned that last weekend my wife and I we were in the mental health first aid course right from Canadian Mental Health Association uh, Leah our, uh, another board member uh, talked uh, a number of us and uh, we learned that mm -hmm. and so uh, that course gives you a lot of excellent uh, ways to help people and to uh, know what to do and how to direct them right mm -hmm. yeah the so I'm also a mental health first aid facilitator you're just everything you know <laughs> <laughs> well I love I love frontline work but I also love you know doing the facilitating right. and, and things like that right. so um, yeah the, the way to think about mental health first aid is almost, it's just like physical first aid, right? right. Um, if you were to see someone bleeding on the side of the street profusely, you right. likely weren't going to walk by them. You're going to try and do whatever you can to help them until, mm -hmm. you know, the professionals get there. That's the point, right? But with mental health, people tend to shy away, especially with suicide, because people think, I'm going to say the wrong thing. Right. Or, you know, what if they say, what if I ask them and they say, yes, then what? Now yeah. it's on me. I have to help them. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. That's right. So that's why COAST exists. Right? That's mm -hmm. where other services in the community exist. Right? I so know. I know even for myself, going through that and listening was really um, eye-opening to the fact of, of just staying with them. Mm -hmm. Like not having to fix it. Right. Not mm -hmm. having to have the right answer. And it was okay to ask them, you know, were they going to harm themselves or were they going to commit suicide or, yeah. or die by suicide, I should say. There Not you commit. go. <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> it was decriminalized in the 1970s. That's so right. And, and you know, even our wording, how yes. we get um, it wrong. Well, know? it just yeah. can add to the stigma, right? Absolutely. Right. And yeah. it, it does. And so it was really good just to realize that, okay, I don't have to fix it. Yes. I can just be there until the professionals come. So it's a good way not to fear. Right. Yes. And so that's a good segue into the uh, next part of this uh, topic because uh, fear is a part of dying by suicide in, yeah. in, uh, in different ways. But uh, we're going to take a break right now. Uh, Pastor Gord Abraham is going to share with us a mind for what matters and all month we're dealing with the topic of fear and so he's going to unpack for us more and more what the bible says about fear and how to overcome fear in our lives so we'll we'll be right back after uh, gorse shares with us and uh, again thank you laura for sharing so much good stuff already thanks 
Greetings again, friends. We're focusing our thoughts today on our fears and how we often fear many things that never come to pass or do not come to pass in the awful ways that we feared they would. We talked last week about the wonderful reality and experience that if we are the children of God through trust in the Lord Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross, we do not have to have the terror and dread of God's judgment upon us. We still have awe, reverence, and obedience towards God, but now as his loved children. Remember I read for you 1 John 4.18. This is what John said, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Now, as we address our personal fears, we must come to the realization that many of the things that we fear— the things that churn around in our thoughts, that keep us awake, that terrorize us, sometimes disable us, they often do not come to pass as we thought they would. We can waste so much emotion, energy, peace, creativity, and good relationships by allowing ourselves to be consumed by fear when what is feared may never come to pass. Let me tell you the story of someone who came to me just a few weeks ago with fear and tears and physical exhaustion. My friend was just diagnosed with diabetes and being in their early 40s, was never sick, was a teacher and creative carpenter, able to eat anything, working three jobs at the same time and living off very little sleep. This diagnosis was for them and their thinking a death warrant. They were flooded with fear of early death or long-term disability, having to be insulin dependent or dependent on others, financial ruin, uncompleted tasks, leaving a new wife, and on and on and on. The fears were completely disabling him. He wasn't able to sleep at night. And he, of course, was losing weight but there was just so much going on, and one of the things that he struggled with was trusting God. My good friend was completely consumed like never before in his life, while the sleeplessness and fear and turmoil and doubts about God just churned around in his thinking. He is now coming through this time of turbulence, learning new ways to trust God, control diet, get exercise consistently. He is learning even with it being a struggle to challenge the fearful self-talk with the truth of God's presence, love, and promises. He's also learning that much of the fear that was consuming him has not come to pass as he feared, and that God is going to work in his life in new ways to live even with this new challenge. Now, as we talked together, this friend of mine came to realize that, yes, many of those things that were being blown out of proportion in his thinking and were creating negative and fearful self-talk were things that when he looked at them and could commit them over to God were really things that were not really coming to pass as he thought and feared they would. And so 
I want you to hear the words from Jesus as he speaks to this need in our lives in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 25 to 27 and 31 to 34. Jesus says, That is why I tell you not to worry about every, everyday life, whether you have enough food to drink, whether you have enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So good friends at Agora Ministries, we're here to help you with some of these issues that you're facing, and we hope that we can be a great help to you both now and in the future as you learn to deal with the fears that might be consuming you and that God wants to help you through. God bless you. Welcome back, friends. And uh, thank you, Gord, for your uh, timely message today. So, by the way, if you're listening to this program and you want to re-listen, you can go to our website, uh, agoranetworkministries.com and uh, go to our podcast and we have many there on different topics so uh, please um, avail yourself to these uh, podcasts and share them uh, like and share them and uh, that way many people can be uh, helped or find some hope and healing in on their journey as well so we're talking to Laura Bruno uh, a registered psychotherapist and board member of Agora Network Ministries and uh, we're going to share more on this side of the uh, program about fear and uh, suicide. But before we broke, uh, you were going to comment about something that we, we were talking about. Uh, can you just uh, share with us? Yes, thanks. Um, so Bonnie, you kind of mentioned about how it's so important to just ask, mm -hmm. right? And that is the number one thing. If anyone takes anything away from this, it's the most important thing is to ask directly about suicide. Mm -hmm. And so we need to use the words, you know, die, kill, suicide, these kind of really emotionally charged yeah, words. Those are tough words. Yeah. And so we, we tend to shy away from yeah. that. But we don't want to minimize the individual's pain, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so there's a big difference between saying, are you going to harm yourself? I was okay. just going to ask you that question. Yes. Big difference. Are you going to harm yourself or are you going to kill yourself? Are you having thoughts of hurting yourself? Are you having thoughts of suicide? Very different. For sure. So harm and hurting could be, you know, there's a lot of individuals who self-harm. So they may cut, right? Mm -hmm. But that's the deliberate... Self-harm, essentially, is the deliberate destruction of body tissue without the intent to die. Okay. And there's a multitude of reasons why people would self-harm. Sometimes it's a response to trauma. Sometimes it's mm. to numb. Sometimes it's ease to ease emotional pain. Right. The list kind of goes on. Laura, we're talking about fear as well. Yes. Um, so is there a correlation between fear and 
suicide. Yes, I definitely think there is. And I think it's on both sides of, of the situation. Okay. So I think fear plays a role in risk factors, which are reasons why someone would want to mm-hmm. take their own life. Okay. And also plays a role in protective factors, which is reasons why someone wouldn't take their own life. Right. So in regards to protective factors, a lot of individuals that I have supported who, you know, are struggling with thoughts of suicide, the fear can be, you know, if they're a person of faith, well, will I get into heaven? Right. Right. right? Well, what is the, you know, they're reading what the Bible tells them about suicide. Mm. And, you know, they're questioning, you know, I know I believe in God and I believe in heaven, but if I do it this way, well, I, I don't right, know if right, I'm going to get in. Right. right. And then the other side of that is those who don't have faith or aren't really sure of what happens yeah, after. That's right. And there's fear in that. For sure. Right. Fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. So sometimes individuals are in so much pain that, you know, they want to end their lives, but they won't because of the fear of what happens after. Right, right. So that can be, fear can definitely be a protective factor. Okay. And then on the other side for the risk factor... Definitely there's a correlation, mm. right? Um, probably the biggest one is the fear that this will never end. Mm. This enormous, overwhelming pain. Right. You know, I can deal with it in a short term. And if I knew when the end, when this would end, then right. maybe I would be okay with that. But if this is my reality forever, I can't do it. And the fear with that. And the flip side of that, too, bringing the family into it, is sometimes they fear that they're a burden to their family. Right. Right. So they could fear, oh, if I act on these thoughts of suicide, what would I do to my family? But the other side is, well, I feel like I'm such a burden to them. And they fear that they're a burden, that they think, if I just end my my life, you know, this is actually better for them. Uh, How do you know when people are um, in a suicide state? Yeah. What are the symptoms or marks of people that uh, are... gonna die by suicide. suicide yeah so red flags is what we kind yeah. of call mm. them right so red flags things to look out for so definitely the biggest thing is the word hopeless and the word worthless mm. so if someone is telling you they feel hopeless or they feel worthless that isn't what we call an invitation to mm. ask about suicide right right so red flags we view them as invitations this is someone saying you know please ask me about this right because the biggest myth is actually that by asking you're going to put the idea in the individual's mm. head and that's the biggest myth out right there. right it's the complete opposite they're so relieved that someone's acknowledging and noticing and open to having this tough conversation right so if someone again hopeless or worthless mm. Other things to look out for, um, giving away possessions, Okay. Um, sometimes looking into life insurance policies, mm-hmm. because some have clauses that if they die by suicide, the family wouldn't be able to get the right. money, right. Um, things like that. Um, you know, making arrangements for their pets. Uh-huh. That can be another one as well. Um And also, individuals, if they do self-harm, so if you do know that they cut um, or any other form of self-harm, they're at a higher risk for suicide as well. Okay. And if someone has attempted suicide previously, they're again at a higher risk for attempting again. 
quite. So I hate to say this, but our time is done. Okay. <gasps> uh, but uh, Laura, we'll have you back many times Looking in the future. Looking forward to it. Um, because this is so good. Um, so just very quickly, if people in Canada need to reach out to someone, yes. how can they do that? Um, the best way to do it is actually just to text the word CONNECT, so C-O-N-N-E-C-T, to 686868. And that will give you someone to talk to when you're feeling down, depressed, anxious, panicked, um, or if you're just needing to someone to talk right. to. So right. that's available 24-7. Okay, that's good to know. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And then also the other option is going to crisisservicescanada.ca. Okay. Um, and there's other links and resources for national um, supports. I also see that Nova Scotia has 211. And um, they have a 24-hour provincial mental health crisis line. And the number there is 1-888-429-8167. So for Nova Scotia, and that's also toll-free. So, and it also shows that 211 is also a number in Nova Scotia Great. to be able to use. So, that's something we've learned today. Yay. Mm, very good. So, thank you again, Laura. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be with you and uh, just to talk to you and share what is in your heart and for this topic of mental health. Next week, we're going to have Dr. Grant Mulling with us again, and we're going to be talking about uh, their online uh, course called Free Your Mind. So you won't want, want to miss this. Uh, again, next uh, week, we'll have Dr. Grant Mullen. So uh, until next time, uh, saying goodbye, this is Alan. And Bonnie. And Laura. See you again. Bye-bye. As we conclude our program, we want to thank you for listening to today's broadcast. For more information about Agora, we invite you to journey through our website, www.agoranetworkministries.com. Also, please subscribe while there. Or email us at info at agoranetworkministries.com. Until next time, may you know and experience the hope and healing that comes from the greatest healer, Jesus Christ.